Blog Talk Radio. You're a deep thinker in these issues. Where are we in the United States of America in race relations? Skip, they wouldn't. your brother Yang and Kuma coming to you again on another on another Tuesday. Let's talk about it. I have my sister Makeda. Peace Makeda, what's good? Oh, oh everything's all good. Um how you how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Wait wait waiting for my guy to come on. But I am super excited. I'm amped about tonight's show brothers and sisters out in the listening audience because we're talking about one of my favorite subjects. Something Makeda said earlier to me and I'm pretty (laughs) (laughs) Right. No no doubt. That's how we started. Brothers and sisters. Yo. Okay. And like, I don't know what this world is coming to. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Like Makeda said earlier in the pre-call, she said, you know, why not something you excel at? I don't know about my MCing skills. In the morning in the mirror, I fancy myself a dope MC. (laughs) You know, I probably wouldn't study too many sites. You know, but I will say excelling in how hip-hop has influenced my life. And when I say influenced my life, not just provided entertainment, it didn't just provide a groovy beat to do a one-two step to. I mean, really influenced, like, you know, educated. Um, and it, and right. for me personally, put me in the game, you understand? And, and to tell a quick story how I say it put me in the game, and many people who know me know this, um, have heard me say this before, I, you know, was born a Muslim. So I was raised in an Islamic household. And where I'm from, that's not super common. You know what I'm saying? So when I kind of got in the streets and Rakim hit the scene and he hit that infamous line, I'm going to let my knowledge mm. be born to a perfection. All praise is due to Allah, and that's a blessed boy. That was my door opener to everything. I think I might have okay. it on tape and just push me wine. Yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
gave me kudos. But to say that and the learning from KRS-One and the inspiration and the ferocity from Public Enemy, I mean, a group that did itself, to call itself Public Enemy number one for what we're spitting. And when we go study the facts, here's a, I don't know if, it, if it's little known, but here's a true fact. Public Enemy's biggest album buyers were the Caucasian audience. They had mm-hmm. a very large white listening base, a very white rebellious <laughs> listening base. And not just because of the message. I mean, you look at the creativity, the fuse of rock and the sounds in our public enemy's music. So tonight's show is about, you know, hip-hop. It's about how has it influenced you personally? How has it touched you? How has it, um, you know, did it change your way of thinking? I know for a lot of people, um, that I that I'm cool with, especially when they hit the university scene. They hip hop just was the anthem and the theme music to their life, and it changed their political perspective. They were one way. A lot of them come, like I said, especially university scene that they come from very conservative households. You know, going to college was you know the thing, not a data, and uh, integrating into the system and getting a good job, and they hit you know, the college scene and hear this music and now they're talking about, they were getting this entrepreneurial spirit, this self-determination spirit, screw the system, right. do it for ourselves, you know, the whole right. vibe change. So did hip-hop affect you like that? You know, um, I know thugs, right, right. so-called thugs, that could have been affected by what they say, Tupac. You know what I'm saying? It's just how the message was delivered, but a lot of what you found was the message was the same. You know, so, right. you know, I'm going to open it up to the floor on that, uh, brother, sister. What do you guys think about that? Man, you know, hip-hop well, is just it's deep. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I, I have to agree. Um, I mean, when hip-hop hit your life, let's let's go with McKay. When hip-hop hit your life, McKay, I mean, where were you at? And, and let's be specific, that, that conscious hip-hop. What... About it changed you. What was the feeling? What was the whole thing with it with you? You know what? Okay, so I, I have to say that, um, first of all, when I when I started first paying attention, I, and I know you're talking about the conscious hip hop itself. Um, when I first started paying attention to hip hop, I was like uh, seventh, about the seventh grade. You know, it, that was when uh, Dougie Fresh, the show, and all of that was, you know, was in my face. Um, oh, yeah. But as time grew, you know, as time marched on, and here in the Midwest, I, I think we kind of caught all the music that was coming in, you know, but I was more privy to uh, East Coast hip-hop than than our, you know, than any West Coast leanings. And one of the reasons was because of, like, my folks wasn't having, you know, my folks wasn't having all kind of vulgarity in the house. Like, you know, you, you, wasn't, no, wasn't no gangster rap in the group. Just wasn't none. Okay. <laughs> so right, we, didn't, right. we didn't have um, um, NWA, uh, what's some what's some folks' names? Uh, MCA. Yeah, NWA, you know, all the, the, the two shorts, yeah, all, the, and all of them. Yeah, none of 
none of the, and and even though they had they had some um political content they had political content because you know the way um just the way life was going for them you know this it was a reflection of their reality and a reflection of the stuff right. that was going on on the west coast but there was so much political movement going on on the east coast all the time it was always present in the music and i used to wonder right. like in in so many ways i wondered like how did i end up in this place where you know i didn't come up in a household that was necessarily uh politically rooted my folks was more you know my my people were the the um uh the core you know, civil rights movement folks. We really were. You know, if you if you look at my skin, you know, the folks that was in my family looked like they look a lot like me. You know, what I'm saying, um, and we're lighter skin. We we had more leanings toward, you know, this kind of kumbaya type of of reality. But I've always been drawn to the music that drew this, you know, this connection with our struggle with our people, with our, you know what I'm saying? Like it it meant something to me. And this was, you know, I think I was around, I was 12th grade when I, no, 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 was I 12th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, first heard X-Clan, African, very African, coming step together. I was like, oh, I'm done. I just thought it's a wrap because it spoke to my soul. It spoke to everything in me. And I'm like, I don't know why I move this way. I don't know why that pulls on me. But right. has it impacted me? Has it influenced me? Ooh, baby, you don't understand. <laughs> you don't right. understand how much <laughs> it has impacted my life. And it has drawn some things out of me that I, you know, I would have, I don't think I would have otherwise known was there. You know what I'm saying? Right, I, don't, right. I don't think I would have, I mean, even... Even um, stuff like that, which is, it, it wasn't even as radical. It wasn't as, you know, verbally radical, but it was, the concepts of it were very spiritual and very political and very forward, you know, for our people. But I, I listen to, right. and I always say people slept on arrested development. All the time I say yeah. people slept on arrested development like you wouldn't believe, like for real. And... I've, but I've always been drawn to music like that, the stuff that, you know, that has some substance, the stuff that had, you know, and I like East Coast. I like East Coast hip-hop because it was more party-based. You know, it was it felt good. The shit just bounced a certain right. way. But, right, right, right. But it also was, you know, it, it also was steeped in mm. that cultural revolution. And that's what, you know, right. that's why I think it's there. And I tell the story about how um, um, I, I met up with Chairman Omali Yeshitella, and in meeting him, I didn't know who he was. I had no idea who he was. <clears throat> and um, I ended up doing a press conference, and I was, the, I was doing this, I was, you know, the, the MC for the press conference. And I'm like, right. you know, I was astounded because I'm looking at this old guy, you know, nice old guy. You know, he was a sweet old dude. Right, right, right. But, 
cool. And this is really how I saw this, like for real, for real. Sweet old dude, but I didn't know who he was from a can of paint. And then I saw it was a couple of young girls ran up on him. They looked like they were younger than me. And they ran up on him, and they were like, hey, you're, you know, and I'm like, how the old man get groupies and shit? Like, what is this? I don't, I don't understand, really. Um, and it, it, you know, some things transpired. I, I, some brothers that, that were coming together with us, we hadn't formed uh, Antietam in St. Louis just yet. But um, some brothers and I were doing a security detail. We had to look over the place. And one of the brothers asked me about how I came in contact with the chairman. And I'm like, like, okay, so y'all be making a big deal out the chairman. I, I understand what he's here to do. I understand the mission. I get that part. I ain't know. You know, I, ain't, I really didn't know. But um, I said, you know, who and what? And when they told me, um, they told they they were talking about his body of work, just his body of organizational work. And then they told me about his presence on the Dead Prez uh, album, which I loved, okay? I never bothered, even though I owned that album, I never bothered to figure out who that was that was speaking on Wool, which I had programmed to be my wake-up. You know, that was my alarm for like a year out of my life. And I was sitting across from the chairman at one point, and I was like, he sound, he seems so familiar. You know, I didn't know. And when it came back, you know, that this, wait a minute, are you kidding me? This is that dude? Are you kidding me? So now I'm like, wow. You know, this it was a full circle type of moment for me. And it just kind of, again, it, it it showed me, you know, it showed me what it was really like how deeply rooted in me this thing really is. So I didn't, I felt like I had called it to myself, you know, or it had been right, called right, to me right. somehow. Um, but yeah, I was, I, and I was astounded. I told it, I was too embarrassed to tell the chairman, I didn't know who he was for real, but, <laughs> but yeah, it was just crazy. It, it, it was crazy. Um, so influence. Yeah. I would say I was my, I've been mildly influenced, been mildly touched by hip hop. What say you? <laughs> right, right, right. Now, I mean, but you know, for me, like, I'm from the South Bronx, so I gotta big it up, you know what I mean? That's like that's the backyard, you know what I mean? Right. And it's funny though, being from New York, like you know, being at the base where it all started at, it the music was there, but the movement mm-hmm. hadn't came to the music yet. For a lot of us, you know, coming out of the South Bronx and for just to give you a mental picture a classic movie is uh, Beat Street. It was too Wild Style and Beat Street. You know, Wild mm-hmm. Style, that movie had a lot of the park jams and stuff, which we could relate to because we went to park jams. That's how we hip-hop got out there, Quirk, et cetera. And then you had Beat Street visually seeing, you know, the abandoned building parties, you know, because the Bronx, was, it was rubbles. It was all rubbles, man. We had nothing. Like, we lived in a war zone, really. And hip-hop... Mm-hmm began to, like, give us something to look at, you know, for the older kids, because I was young, you know, coming up. So let's say I'm, a, I'm like, you know, 8, 9, 10 when it starts banging out. Of course, I'm not in the streets, but to the generation in front of me, hip-hop was saving them from gangs. 
because they had been heavy into the gang thing in New York back in the 70s. And hip-hop began to give them a way out of that. And out of that grew an organization called the Almighty Zulu Nation. Back then it was just a Zulu Nation. And it swept through New York. You know, African Bada, the Zulu Nation, Ku Herc, everybody. So to us, that was more of it. Like the 5% Nation later on became the vocal point for hip-hop. But when we were young, it was the Zulu Nation, those two groups. Really, that's the politicizing for us coming out of New York. Because it was so mm. much hip hop coming out that we had like all these different artists, you know, coming at one time. That's another thing. We didn't like other places get like a, a, a one artist and then another artist and another artist. It's like they opened the floodgates and it was just a whole bunch of artists coming at one time. So, <laughs> you know, it, it it just like hit us like, whoa, you know, one minute we was like Sugar Hill was the only thing we had, then Curtis Blow came. And then, you know, I can remember Curtis Blow like my older brothers in them who were like much older than me. This is why, I, you know, one of the things I love about hip hop is that it, it's never been an age thing. Because when Curtis Blow made the song "These Are the Breaks," grown folks was playing that mm-hmm. in the club. You know, mm-hmm. my mama and them was these are the breaks. You know, they mm-hmm. was jamming to that. You know, so this whole new influx of hip hop just being a a child thing or just for little kids—that's such bullshit. You know what I mean? Because hip hop was really ushered in by cats who were in their, like, 20s and almost 30s. You know, they wasn't no young cats. And hip-hop was a club thing, right. and then it came to the streets, too. You know what I mean? You had, like, Sugar Hill, Cooling, like I said, these these songs, Dollar Bill, all that, that's club music. And then that, that got there, so definitely impact. But before I go any further, man, really, I got to pause right here, and we got to, you know, send a shout-out to my brother, you know, uh, King Zulu King Lord Yoda X man may he rest in power with the ancestors. You know he was uh, not not only just a, a, a phenomenal brother, but he's one of the keystones in this thing we call hip hop man. You know he was one of the, the the movers and shakers out of the Zulu Nation. You know the brother was on the ground doing the work. He was a phenomenal DJ. He lived slept hip hop. You know, and that's what I want people yeah. to understand. Like, you know, for us it's like hip hop. Well, for me, and I know a lot of people, hip-hop is not just our culture, man. It's a, it's, a, it's us. It's our way of life. It's almost like a religion. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I can't picture the world. I can't picture the world without hip-hop. I'm just keeping it real. Like, I guess my mom and them can't picture the world without Motown. I can't picture a world mm-hmm. without hip-hop. You know what I mean? Down to the dance, the way we dress, the clothes, everything, everything. is our own thing. Right. I mean, and like, politi- politically, you know, because I know Yanka was like the conscious music, but I'm going to keep it real, man, like, for, in New York, especially, the music was kind of everything. You know what I mean? Like you had, you had the Supreme Team. They had a show called. I mean, they had a song called "No Sellout." It was just like a mix, and that's the first time I heard Malcolm X. You know, it was like Malcolm X, mm. "No Sellout," and then he would say a few words. I didn't know who that dude was, but we was like, "Wow, that's powerful." Mm. We didn't put it together until Public Enemy came out later. Then we put the two together, but they was pumping that back in like the early, early, early days. You know, and then you had songs like The Message, Melly Mel, The Message. I guess that's the first conscious hip-hop I ever heard. Well, we didn't. You know, and really, you know, really broke it down to us. So, and then it, right. it, it kind of came from there and it kept going, you know. But influence-wise, I remember I saw a sign at a park. On, it's a place called Webster Avenue in the Bronx where a lot of we grew up came out of. And used to have a lot of park jams in Cedar Park and that area. And I remember there was this big painting that said Biko. And the part jam was mm. always in front of this painting, these words, just the word Biko. That's all it said. And I just noticed it because that's where they always seem to set up to have the part jam. 
and Biko was in the background. So I thought Biko was a graffiti artist. You know what I mean? I thought he was one of the graffiti artists. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, this Biko dude must be real because they keep setting up in front of his piece. That burner is Biko. That's dope. But later on, I found out that was Steve Biko. You know what I mean? The great revolutionary. So for me personally, yeah, that, that's the influence, man. Like, it definitely influenced my life and became an integral part of my being, for real. I, you, know? you know what's deep, man? I wanted to touch on a few things both you and Makeda said, which I, I thought was heavy. One, <clears throat> the conscious hip-hop. You know, like, see, when I was coming up, we, there was no such thing as conscious hip-hop. All hip-hop was conscious. You were always right, learning right. something. I, I can't remember a distinction right. like that. Absolutely. You know, now, yeah. in this age yeah. of commercialism, when you have groups, I mean, literally, there was an album out, and the lyrics was, Versace, Versace, Versace. Versace, Versace, Versace. You talk about commercialism, advertising, uh, subliminal messages, and everything else. So, you know, this like <laughs> so us coming up, isn't that crazy? So us coming up, I don't think you know there crazy? was a thing as conscious music. You may have had gangster music, but I don't, even in that, I don't think it was unconscious. Right. I mean, NWA and, and and verbiage alert. If we have family members listening, NWA gave us fuck the police. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So you still had this social awareness. Um, they talk right. about music. But you know what, what I want to say about prior prior to. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, yeah, and they just but like I said, you said prior to that, where we had a uh, grandma. Right. Don't push me. I'm close to the edge. You know, we always had uh, that no, thing. But what I wanted to say about nine millimeter, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, so, but the right. whole I can see why hip hop coming out of New York, how it evolved and stuff, and why hip hop was conscious in New York. When I had the opportunity to live upstate, live in New York, live upstate right. in the community, and then you know up in Jersey in the area, then was because New York. There are so many cultures in New York. The people right. in New York or more just internationally aware politically than anywhere in the United States. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're mm-hmm. more right. aware of international politics because of the infusions of Africans, Puerto Ricans, Caribbeans, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Carib- the people from the Caribbean, and so on and so forth. So just they're politically aware and the infusion of cultures. You couldn't help but to have right. something like hip hop with the infusion of beats, clothing, language, you know what I'm saying? Hip-hop in itself was a language. I know dudes that probably don't even know. In fact, I know they don't speak Spanish. But when we were rapping back right, in the right. day when we were MCs, <laughs> get stuck on a word and throw a Spanish word in there. Real talk. Because <laughs> <laughs> it rhymes. Yo, but it means the same thing. Right. You know, underlay, brother. You don't know underlay, Negro. You don't know underlay. You know what I'm saying? So, and then... Right, right. <laughs> and, and, and then... We look at, and I said to say that to add in too, um, what hip hop started from is when we look at the whole MCing thing. I remember when the MC was just really all, all about introducing the DJ. The MC was just that. It was the master of the ceremony. You know what I'm saying? They kept the right, party right, hype. Right, right. A line or two, a one-liner, two-liner, some dope and fresh, and, the, and it was all about the beats, and then the party get crunk again. You know what I'm saying? And right. then the whole thing, so the MC, the, the one and two-liners became a little longer, became a little flyer, became a little more complex in its delivery and in its, uh, uh, you know, construction and stuff like that. But 
I say all that to say, to me, the bottom line goes back down to really finding a way to uh, reclaim something that's ours. I think now it has been used and is being used as an instrument to deliver destruction. I'm not one to believe to censor speech, but I think when you use a people's instrument, it's just like the natives protesting the Cleveland Indians for the image of Yahoo McDaniel or like uh, the Washington Redskins. You know, that's derogatory right, right. and racist as shit. You know what I'm saying? There should be no 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 professional team running about there, the Redskins. We wouldn't tolerate a black skin, the Washington black skin. So it's racist and it's derogatory. So I say that to say that about hip-hop. They have to take something that are that is ours and is using it to be derogatory, destructive, and just profane. But you know what? That you know, it's open. Mike's open. And, and hold on, let me say this. Listen, you listen to Let's Talk About It. Hit one. Jump in here. You know, y'all here I take. I'm sure hip-hop has affected right. you guys. So, yo, hit one, right, right. and we can rap about it. But uh, Mike's open. Okay, the shocker. Yeah, I okay. I was um I was gonna say, you know, if that brings about another another question about the whole censorship. You know, like you there's really a fine line between censoring and allowing people to say that is you know, that is can cause that bring about the negative uh Sometimes you know I will get and and then they'll jump. So let me let me get to this caller. Put caller uh three four seven zero five zero six. You're on. Hey, peace family. It's brother Samaj. Peace family. How's everybody? Man, peace family. What's, 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 What's going on, Samaj? Yes, yes. What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, I, I was I was, I just want to build on because uh, you know brother Shocker and I both are Bronx natives. You know, born and raised right. in the South Bronx. Right. You know, right. and uh, part. Yeah, yeah. We both out of the South Bronx, went to the same high school, and all of that. So, 
we all basically had a similar experience, like how he was saying how desolate the Bronx was. It was a war zone. It was like, so we had to make our own way. You know, we had to make our own way. This is, this is what stemmed out of making our own way was hip hop, was the music, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just um, that graffiti, you know, graffiti was another extension of hip hop. Right. So right. this is how we, this is what we did to, for our creativity, you know, for our creativeness was, 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 you know, spin records and, uh, and, and, and do graffiti, make rep. So when, with, with hip hop, Whenever the DJs, and I, I like how, you know, Yanga, you made the distinction between the MC and the DJ. That's very good. When, when they used to have the, the gatherings in the basketball courts and the housing projects and stuff, right? They used to bring out the big speakers. Mm-hmm. You know, it became, yo, everybody was out there, young and old. We was all out there mm-hmm. because the music <laughs> drew us to it. It was the good vibe. Right. It was something that, that we did for us. And we all took part. Even the few, even the few white folks that was on the block was out there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's how powerful right. that energy was. It drew you to it. And um, and, and what was good to make the distinction of, of the period of time back then, we wasn't shooting each other like that. You know what I mean? That's why it was young and old out there because they didn't feel threatened. You see what I'm saying? They knew it was a, it was about a good time. And, and 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 that's how it was. You know what I mean? It was uh, right, right. Uh, like 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 I'm saying, like 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 Yanka was saying, we wasn't even talking about conscious. That that word wasn't even part of our vernacular. Conscious. That's just what we were. You know what I mean? Right. That's just what mm. we were. And the and the lyrics, like 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 Shaka was mentioning, KRS One. You know, and um. And, and and you know the sugar. It was like about life experience, and and the, and the good thing. And you know I'm gonna go there. You know I'm going there. Back then, uh-huh. the N word wasn't that popular. The N word. If, right. if you if you do your own research, you know, check out the music. It wasn't in the music. It wasn't in the lyrics. They didn't use that word back. Then. You know we had more love for one another. We had more respect for one another. You know a higher level, and uh. It was good. Right, it was right. good. It hadn't been corrupted yet. And and just to say, uh, I'm gonna say this uh, last thing. See, that's the hypocrisy of of of, of uh, the things, the things that whites still own and control. They know like how uh, derogatory the N word is. Yet still, they allow it to be broadcast. You, you see, uh, but but. I, I think that we need to step up and, and, and really take more uh, action on that, you know, as far as, like, doing something about that, you know, because they're doing they're, – they're polluting our minds, our, our young people's minds. They're doing their, their, their work. We got to step up right. and, 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 you know, ag- and fight, fight against it. We got to step up, you know, and challenge it. But, uh, but thanks for, exactly. for, for taking the exactly. call, family. Oh, no doubt, brother. Thank you for being on, man, you know. No, okay, I didn't want to. I wanted to get the call in, but you were um, saying you didn't forget your thought, did you? No, 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 sir. Who's that no, me? No, oh, it, oh, it, oh, no, I was talking about Makeda. I know she was. Uh, oh, Makeda. Oh, no, Makeda. I didn't have any, No, no, no. I didn't have anything that I was that I was in particular. You know, you know, it'd be a flow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be I mean, a flow of thought. I think like, you know. 
one of the things that, you know, I feel like is happening now, man, like, Makeda brought up something earlier about the music, you know, and I'm thinking back, like, hip-hop was powerful, but it became phenomenally powerful when it connected that bridge between, you know, Kool Herc, who was a Jamaican, who brought hip-hop and the outdoor thing to us. You know, the, the, sound, the sound system, the park jams, which was the sound system, right, which is directly related to Jamaica, where you have another music that is being born at the same time hip-hop is being born called reggae. And it was the same set of circumstances. Reggae was the music of the poor. It was the music of the sufferer. And hip-hop was the music of the sufferer here. You know what I mean? And the two right. were slowly coming together. They were, they, were, they were slowly coming together, and that was really what gave us power, man. Because we understood that that was our expression. And through the dance and everything else, you know, we look like, we talk about like brown and black unity, I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't point out the fact that black folks, we, we, we dance our ass off, but we're not the fathers and mothers of breakdancing. The mothers and fathers of breakdancing are our Puerto Rican brothers and sisters from down in the you know, 93rd Columbus Street earlier. They're the ones that were all that rubbing and flipping to us, you know, that capoeira. They brought that to us and reintroduced it to black mm-hmm. folks, and we kind of jumped on it together. So that's what the kind of exchange we had, man. You know, that's the kind of cultural exchange that was, that was a part of it. And we got to bring those things back out and understand, too. Now, you know, I'm listening when we talk about, like, the uh, introduction of gangster hip-hop. And I'm like, nah, NWA didn't introduce that. But NWA was the beginning of the marketing of just that music. You know what I mean? Because you can go back and listen to Just Ice, who was, like, we call him the first gangster rapper. You know, you had story rappers, you know, who told stories like Slick Rick, Most Famous Children's Story, and others who told stories of their exploits in the street, but it wasn't the popular thing, and it wasn't like, okay, we all going to be drug dealers, because you heard that here and there. It was mixed up in the mix, you know what I mean? And I think once we started seeing that slowly becoming, you know, you have people like Cool G Rap, who that's all he talks about is the street, but it wasn't, it was like tragic. It wasn't glorified. When he told his stories, they ended tragically, you know, and you knew, like, okay, or Scarface from the West Coast, another brother that I, I love his music. You know, and I think that we have to get into understanding that we have to, like, stop saying that it's an expression of our life. No, no, nah, no. Nah. What they did, they singled out a part of our life that's most destructive and made it most lucrative to be a part of that part of our life. Because that's not the only part of our life. Like, every day, every day in the ghetto is not getting stuck up and selling drugs. You know, right. like, like my, my, sister Lauren Hill, my sister Lauren Hill said... Flipping on a dirty mattress. I'm from the South Bronx. Mm-hmm. I don't know about nobody else, but Smart can tell you. I remember playing in abandoned buildings, playing tag in abandoned buildings. Yeah, ghetto Olympics. I remember, yeah, pulling the mattresses out behind the building. They all pissy and dirty, and we flipping off the fire escape onto the mattress. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, those were good. Those were <laughs> fun days. You know, I remember running on the side of the street when they had the, the fire hydrant open. You know, that's part of ghetto life too. You know, all yeah. that is part of our music, man, and it. Even a fashion, like, you know, I was laughing because that song, Versace, Versace, Versace. I'm laughing because I'm like, wow. You know, Slick Rick and the Get Fresh crew, that's Dana Dane, Slick Rick, Doug Fresh. They were, they were part of the Get Fresh crew out of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's what that means. It meant Get Fresh crew. So Dana Dane yeah. and Fresh. Slick Rick right. was talking about having, having ballys and kangos. And, you know, you see how Slick Rick dressed to this day. Their whole crew was yeah. about that. So there was an area... For that, there was a dance crew that came out of them called the Gucci Girls. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Dapper Dan. 
Dapper Dan is the result of rap from the Get Fresh crew and that whole. So we had an area for it, but the one thing that maintained is that we had control of everything. We that control the flow. Point. You know what I'm saying? We that, we control you know when we wanted to do this or when we want to do that. You know what? I wanted to jump in there with you, Shock, and that's the point. Because a lot of people will make that will say that same thing. I've had it said. They say, "Well, you know, what about that show, The Lanzi Street?" You know, and da 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 da. And they'll tell me the same thing. Oh, commercial? How are you going to say commercialism? But you made the big point. And I saw a wonderful documentary on Netflix about. I think it's called uh, "Get Fresh" or something like that. Get fresh. Yeah. But I think it's "Get Fresh" or fresh. yeah, and it talks about Dapper Dan. And what if, yeah, we promoted, you know, out of ignorance, I like to believe, these major labels. But what we did is it still brought economics to our community. Dapper Dan was the man. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? And so much so that, right, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, we're hollering MCM. Yeah, because I had some MCM. You know, I ain't going to front. I had my little stuff going because that was what was cracking, you know. And... Right, but like you said, but, but, but you somehow you, you bought it from Dapper. Right, <laughs> right, and 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 Dapper Dan would take it and freak it. We always had right. an underground. It reminds me, and I, this may be, and it was really not off off a topic. It's like an underground economy. I remember the Candy Lady. I remember loose cigarettes. I remember the right, numbers. Right, right. And shoot, now right. what they do? Come out with the Lotto. You can buy loose cigarettes mm-hmm. in the store. They got penny candies. They even sell. You remember the lady used to sell the plates. Now they sell food yeah. at the gas station. At the gas yeah, station, and we've digressed so much that we actually eat out the damn gas station. You know what I'm saying? We're going to gas station. Just we, fill our car up we, and buy we, something to put in our bellies. <laughs> food. And we look down. You we know, look down on the people in the community who still sell candy because the candy lady's still out there. But we think it's below us to eat for her now. We won't go to her. And get man, candy you know, because it's below you know the white man's candy sweeter. You know the white man's <laughs> candy is sweeter. <laughs> you know, but it, it, it's crazy because like, but you know what's crazy though? Like hip hop was that? Not just the music. Hip hop is the word. Like the term hip hop to us means resistance, resilience. Yeah. You know, self determination. Yeah. That's what hip hop is. You know, hip hop is not just music or dancing or clothes or you know the elements of hip hop. It's it's a reason. It's survival. You know, it's how we survive. Yeah. So when you think about the candy lady, the candy lady is a part of hip hop to us. You know, the the yeah. the, 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 yeah. the old lady, the old man that you know. Samaj, remember back in days in Harlem, you had an old couple. They used to serve fish. They used to fry fish right on the street for like two dollars. Mm-hmm. You go there, but that was part of hip hop because they was guess where yeah. they was at? They was next to a place called the Rooftop. Which is a phenomenal hip hop mm. place. You know what I mean? They were mm. they were set up right mm-hmm. next to the rooftop. They were set up next to Skate Fever. They were set up next to Empire Skate Rink in Brooklyn. See, these are the places we went for hip hop, and the people who were entrepreneurs knew to channel their money into that hip hop crowd. So just like the white man is channeling his money away from hip hop, we had people who were in hip hop, who were part of the community, who were making money off the music, off everything, but it stayed with us. You know what I mean? Right. It stayed with us. And that's that's where we lose right. a lot of clout now, man. You know, we, we've allowed the white man to tell us that you can only do hip-hop till you're 25. Like, I keep hearing this. Like, I was watching the Tyler Perry movie the other day, and and one of the scenes, the sister, Gabrielle Union, I think it's Daddy's Little Girls. Anyway, she's they, she's looking for a date. So she gets oh, on a, yeah, a date with I her brother that. in the store, 
and he's rapping. And she's like, girl, let me tell you, this dude was 40 years old talking about he's going to be a rapper. You know what I mean? And I keep hearing that thing, but nobody telling Mick Jagger's decrepit ass he can't be a rock star. Or that mm-hmm. dude, Tyler, right. whatever, from for Aerosmith, these motherfuckers, Ozzy Osbourne, they look like they're about That's to right. die. But they they can still yeah, be rock right. stars. You know what I mean? I, I, can't, I can't be a hip-hop artist, but they can be a rock star. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we feed into that. Mm-hmm. You know, white folks, you, you go try to tell the white folks that Rolling Stone is played out. You might get killed, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Red Zeppelin they, is not yeah, rocking like, no nah. more. Yeah, right, right, come on. Right. They, they got dead people, man. I just, I'm, I'm driving all through the country. You go places where country music is popular, they still playing Hank Williams. This motherfucker been dead for years. Yeah. And they rocking him on the radio yeah. like he's still here. You know? Yeah. And telling you, this is real country. I had a white man tell me, you like country? I said, yeah, I listen to country. So I named a couple artists I heard, oh, real country is. And he started telling me what real country is. And I'm like, wow, I could appreciate yeah. that. Because when you say hip-hop, I'm supposed to say, nah, real hip-hop is this. You know what I mean? Real hip-hop mm-hmm. is that. You know what I mean? And we allow right. ourselves to be back, backed out. We get pushed out, and we buy into the narrative. You know what I mean? Like I was saying earlier, I'm a hip-hop artist. You know, I've had a small stand in a career. I do music or whatever, but I'm a 51-year-old hip-hop artist. So my lyrics are not going to be the same as a 21-year-old hip-hop artist. But we're both hip-hop artists. Right. You know what I mean? We're both right. just, you know, just talking about different different experiences. But think about that, you too. Know, if, you have, you if, you have, if you have an older... As you have an older hip hop artist, you have someone that whose message you you know you're 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 putting out a narrative about that one because you can't mess with his message. You know what I'm saying? You right. can't tamper it. You can't shape it. It's already shaped. You know what I'm saying? Whereas you have these younger ones coming up behind if you you know and 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 you telling them you know you push them out the way. They're too old to be in this thing anyway. It helps to right. mute and cut them off. From you know, from that understanding that the you know that the older hip hop artists can convey, so you know they still get to control that narrative by promoting the younger hip hop artists and promoting the idea that only youngsters should be even you know championing this 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 portion of our our culture. Right, like I mean, right. hip hop has been the igniting force to everything. Like you mentioned. Chairman Ishitelli, but um, like I always call hip hop the rebirth of Kwame Ture, the rebirth of Malcolm, the rebirth of the Black Panthers, like all this stuff we call conscious. I ain't trying to be funny, but no other music that I know of brought that revolutionary element of our struggle to the streets the way hip hop did. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right, and we yeah, and, and we used it, we infused it with those elements, you know, with those political right, elements. Right. I mean, aside from them being, like I said, I'm, I was, I always lean more toward East Coast hip hop because of, you know, because of the, the, the nutrients that was in it, you know what I'm saying? It was some, it was some substance right, right. in it for real. And I, I would attribute that to, you know, um, that being a place where Malcolm was based. That being a place right. where uh, where Barbie, you know what I'm saying, where they had to, where they had the big UNIA conference, you know what I'm saying, and and that being mm-hmm. the people that are from there, knowing that, and it just kind of holding and settling in that in that soil, you know what I'm saying, in the earth and in the people of that area, and then it, you know, actually coming out years 
over generations in the music and it being something right, that, you know, right. we it just kind of filtered down to us because that's a right. place that had such a, there was such a presence. You know, there was such a right. strong presence of it. So, right, right. yeah, I, absolutely. I, I can I think see for me, I think for me what got it for me, because I'm a big East Coast fan and a big West Coast, but I think what, why West Coast really stood out so much to me was more or less the culture. East Coast, right. I understood it. I love it because of of uh, what they were saying. You know, grew up a little bit, grew up in it a little bit. I so I did understand it, but I really related more with West Coast, not just because of the lifestyle that I had chosen for myself, but because of my political upbringing. West Coast spoke, spoke right. more to that, and I know people say, "Well, what do you mean?" East Coast was more cultural. It wasn't as political to me as West Coast. It was more culturally mm-hmm. influenced. I, I, I became more culturally aware of being African, of the greatness of Africans, this and that. But when you talk about social repression, when you talk about the police, when you talked about mm-hmm. drugs and this, right. you know, um, especially when you got King's son, Tupac, Ice Cube in his form, right. and his a little bit later after when he got with Public Enemy and, and a lot of um, – a lot of, uh, I can't, they're slipping my names right now, a lot of what they would call conscious rappers off the West Coast, though their delivery right. uh, may have been rough and rugged, were really addressing, it wasn't so much cultural with them. You know, it wasn't about being from Africa, it wasn't about, you know, it was just very raw and very political, you know, and so I could I could relate to that. So I always tell people, when they talk about this gangster rap, one of the reasons they say that is because with NWA, NWA brought with them a culture, not their culture, but a right, West right. Coast culture. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so that's why I think that they call it that era of gangster, because like you said, people were rapping hard and gangster way back in the day. It's just yeah, they yeah. didn't bring, you know, NWA brought the whole, exposed us to the whole West Coast, to the whole gang banging, um, right, mm-hmm. right, right. <laughs> that whole side of it. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, it's crazy. But I do feel West what you're Coast talking about. Like, yeah, it's crazy that you're even using the word West Coast because I'm laughing, and I mean to cut you off. I'm sorry, but it's it's bugging me you out because I didn't even know I didn't even know what the hell a West Coast was. You know what I mean? Like we were so yeah. removed before hip hop. Like I, New York, you know the East. I, I didn't even say East Coast. It was just New York, and that was it. That was a whole world, you know. And then, but you know, like yeah, you said, New York is like planet over. New York, though. <laughs> right, it was just playing in New York. Like we ain't know nobody yeah. else. Yeah. And you know, like we slowly got introduced to like we skipped way down to Florida to Luke, and you know the Luke yeah. thing, the craze coming up from Florida. That was down south wrapped us. So it was New York all the way down yeah. to Florida. We considered we considered DC New York. So we just took that right in, you know. So there was no Virginia at the time. It really was just New York, DC, and Florida. And then the, the South, the South got involved. But it's crazy because the movie Colors. Which is hip hop, another hip hop movie. You know, people don't yep. realize that, but that is a that is the that is the first West Coast hip hop influenced movie. You know, and mm-hmm. it introduced us to this whole nother way of thinking. We're like, wow, you know, because we didn't know who they was, and we're like, why they over there in in California with lumberjacks on? Ain't they hot? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Them dudes, man. What's the matter with they got slippers on? You know, we couldn't we couldn't understand that, and that's why when I look at that movie uh, straight out of Compton, that scene. Where the New York rappers almost faced off with the with the West Coast, they almost got a little beef. But to see how different they were, but they were they were from yeah. the same music though. 
You know, it's like yeah. our whole idea of even being in the streets was different because we don't have sheriff's department. We got the New York City Police Department. You know, it's a whole different mm-hmm. beast. So we couldn't be in the street talking like the way they tell you go to jail. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, it really was right. raw, but it, it it definitely was like a wake up. I agree, man. Definitely, like they brought it to us, and we 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 loved it, man. A lot of us began mm-hmm. to slowly get get in with the West Coast because we could see the other side of that. You know what I mean? Like you said, I mean we was running around New York with earrings in our noses and shit, trying to be the S Clan. You know? Yes. Come up, fight the power. <laughs> but you know, New York is like that. with that with that Can with I be that heard? infusion of all of those cultures. You know, it's New right. York. All the weirdest stuff yeah. comes out of New York. I'm telling you, right. <laughs> weird stuff comes out of New York. You were I, think you have a, I think you have a caller. You have a caller. You got a caller on? Uh, press one. Tell them to oh, press Samaj, one. If on. we have a caller, they should press one. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Samaj. Brother Samaj still with us. Okay, okay. Yeah, can y'all hear me? Go ahead, brother. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Just with, you know, um, with all due respect, I mean, like, uh, like a song, like, uh, say, like heading for self destruction, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. that, those, those, those are so-called East Coast artists, if I'm not mistaken. Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. So you know, like, like I, I, I may be wrong again, but I, I don't like see like what, what Yango was saying. I don't see something like that coming out of the West Coast. You know what I'm saying? Oh, they got one. It's because, called All in the Same well, me, Game. We're all in the no, same game. No, they got two. They got two. Absolutely. The first one was All in the Same Game by Digital Underground. It came out at the same time that Self Destruction, like slightly behind it. And then another one was called, um, right after the, the L.A. Rebellion, they had that big one with one gang, something like that. No, yeah, all in the same game. Everybody's game. Yeah, Easy, no, MC Hammer, you know, all the West Coast yeah, yeah. stars came together. Right, all yeah. they all came together. Right, yeah, right. So they, it was that popular. Was West Coast, right. Yeah. Right, it, 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 it went out, on at out. the same time. You know what I mean? It just, it's just that they spoke differently than us. You know what I mean? Like, like we we talk, you know, like like Pac said, you know, they exacerbated the East Coast West Coast thing. It was good, it was good publicity, it was good drama, you know. So they they blew it up. But one of the things, though, I laughed at what you said, uh, Shock, about New York being a plan. Right, I'm sure it didn't extend out of New York because you know only outside of I think outside of New York and outside of L.A. we really understood the East Coast West Coast. Like I'm from the Midwest, like. Um, Makeda. So we really understood that because at that time, that's before we had our, you know, safe lunatics uh, and, you know, everybody <laughs> coming out of, the, you know, uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony and stuff. That's before the uh, Midwest really got recognized. So we felt that. But, you know, when, let's, let's, let's touch on that a little bit. I like to, you know, touch on that because I think that's one of the things hip hop did. I know it introduced me to a lot of streets. A lot of places in New York oh, yeah, before man. I had been, I felt like I was like, oh, so you know, shock of the road with you man. and somebody up through there was like a dream come true. Um, but <laughs> you know, one of the things we say hip hop did, and moving to Atlanta at a young age, like seventeen, I remember the hip hop scene in Atlanta pre Outcast. Right. You know, I remember the Atlanta locals. Right, Sam, right, shout right. out to Sam Sam the Hitman, Kilo. You know what I'm saying? Raheem the Dream. Shout out to all the people that you see. Uh, What's her name on Love and Hip Hop now? Um, Shawty, she's a, she's a pioneer oh, yeah, now. Married to Kurt. I can't think of her name right now. Uh, you know, shout out to her that's been in the game. But I really love how hip hop 
gave everybody exposure and really put a lap, put that south on the map. Put that oh, yeah. south mm-hmm. on south, the map. How I did mean, y'all feel when when southern south, music came out? It was it was it was a refreshing to tell you the truth because at that point the war between the east and the and the west was so hard that it almost destroyed hip hop. Let's like, keep it one hundred. Like hip hop fell twice. The first time it fell, Run DMC saved it alone. You know, because everybody fell off. And then Run DMC just was there. And they were like the carriers. And then when it started picking up again, the East-West Coast War took off. And rap was almost, hip-hop hip hop in general was almost out the door, man. It was really hurting. And then that's when the South and the Midwest just came out of nowhere. You know, and for a lot of it in New York, we were like, who are these dudes? You know what I mean? Like, what the hell is that? You know, who's the St. Louis? What's that? We didn't know none of those places. But the music, we was like, wow, that's fly. That's that's hot. A lot of us, and if you remember, a lot of, I'll keep it real, a lot of us in the East Coast, we started mimicking some of the West Coast. We started, you know, infusing that West Coast sound and vibe into our hip-hop there. What's what I love about hip-hop. It just Give me an example. You know what I mean? Okay, like, for instance, when Outkast came out with the, the way uh, Andre 2000 and Big Boy flowed, their whole flow was a different kind of flow. You know, New York is very boom, 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 right on the right. beat. Whereas West Coast is very every other bar, you know what I mean? So it's real slow, you know, but um dum dum but um so you rocking on top of these bass lines and you have to rhyme slower. You have to skip a beat and drop on the third instead of dropping on the fourth. You know what I mean? So that was a new way of rhyming to us. It was slower, it wasn't as fast. We speak a lot faster So we got into that And then terms Words like shawty You know Just like shawty And using that It's funny Because The mm-hmm. south and the midwest You guys You guys brought back The language That a lot of our aunties And uncles were speaking And we ain't speak that Because that's country hell. We ain't, I don't sound like Them country folk I ain't That's how they talk My cousins down south Talk like that But y'all made it cool To talk like that again Over lyrics You know what I mean Like that song I ain't got mm-hmm. name yeah. You know I ain't got yeah. name You know we was like, oh, that's hot, yeah. yo, what they talking about? You know, and Outkast, you know, ACL, I got to give it up to Atlanta because that's their old, they put a whole new language out there. You know what I mean? So it was really, <laughs> like, we, we, we was like, what the hell are they talking about? But we loved it. It was yes. like brand new. And then the West the West Coast, we started wearing, we ain't never wore no goddamn chucks and, and khakis. You know that? You, only people that wore khakis in the Bay Area. Right, right. You know, if you was, you know, you was, if you had on a pair, you had on a pair of of, of khakis, you must have just came home for the joint. That's all. Or you going to work, one or the other. But now, okay. like, right. you saw them, that whole white T-shirt craze. I, I, I'm a New Yorker, but I hate to break it to y'all, that did not come from New York. The white T-shirt craze came from the Midwest and the South. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That that whole craze started down there, and we picked it up in yeah. New York. You know what I mean? And a lot of it has to do, yeah. believe it or not, on a on a socioeconomic level, a lot of the dress codes. And I got this talking to cats in the hip hop industry from out west. They was like, it's not that we were trying to be fly, but we really couldn't afford nothing else. You know what I mean? Hey, and we would man, go to the swap meet, that and and that's, you they was like, that. we was at the swap meet. You know, they was like, yo, we wasn't trying to be fly, but we they was like, we wasn't getting money like. You guys in New York. So we couldn't afford no goddamn Gucci and all that. So we go to the swap right. and get a fresh white T-shirt, a pair of chucks. That was inexpensive. You know, we crease our khakis because we could afford that. 
It wasn't so much that mm-hmm. we was being fly, but that's just all we could afford. And it's funny because we took it and flipped it. You know, and then when up north, it's like being a white t-shirt was cool. Again, hip-hop. I love hip-hop because we talked about MCM, the, the brand, and Dapper Dan, right? And this is a little mm-hmm. off, but again, taking a, taking a note from our Western brothers and sisters, what we started doing in New York, if you couldn't afford to get a Dapper Dan, whatever, remember your mama used to make those patches and put them in your pants when you mess your knees up? Mm-hmm. We got so creative, we started taking the patches and cutting the MCM out the patches and ironing it on the back of our jacket. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're spelling your name out yeah. in a, in a, with patches. You know, and in the spirit of Dapper Dan, we were spelling out our name in patches and ironing it on the back of our jackets and rocking outside. You know? So, okay. yeah, the West Coast brought a whole new vibe to us, man. A whole new new way of thinking about hip-hop, man. Big ups to the West Coast and the Midwest. For real. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think about this so-called mumble rap? I don't know. I don't understand it. I, mean, I can't. I don't know. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> let me, I, let you me, know, let me I say don't this. understand the let whole thing. I have it. a problem. And I'm not a native of Atlanta, but I have a problem with it being called mumble rap. You know, because, right, right. It's not and maybe it does sound like mumbling, but I'm like, that's it's funny how that has turned into actually what they what they're categorizing as a style. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, right, when I'm right, like, right. no, nah, that's how they talk. Yeah, that is. How you they know, talk. I, I vouch for it, man, because I can't. I'm, I've been in Atlanta yeah. five years. I, I'm a I'm a Georgia dude now. I love Georgia, but I had to learn how to speak Atlantean. I could do it. I had to have to learn it. But I had when you I had down a there, for like three they years. will. They will roll up while I was having a real boy. Oh, no, 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 so it's you know it you, really man. is a whole different. And so I don't know whether to be when I hear people say that, I don't know whether to be offended. Or what? Because I'm like, you know, it's not. I can understand it being mumble rap when um, cats from other places change their voice to emulate that. But those right, guys right. down there really like on their off hours when the mic is off, like really speak. In fact, I think they probably speak a little clearer on album right. than in, 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 in person. So, you know, you know that, that thing is always. I think mumble rap is necessarily. And it's getting a bad rap because I don't think it's the way they talk, you know what I mean, per se. Because that's mm-hmm. like talking about reggae. Reggae, you know, you got patois. And it's a thick, thick, right. thick patois that a homegrown reggae artist might use in Jamaica that if he crossed over to America, he's not going to speak as thick because you won't know what the fuck they're saying. So they lighten it up so you can understand. And I think that the mumble rap thing more is to, I consider the lazy artist, not the way they flow in but the fact that they're not putting nothing into their lyrics. So they're repeating okay. lyrics over yeah. and over again because they're not writing. They're not, they've lost the art because it's, it's gotten so commercialized that I don't have to write 16 bars no more. I can just write four bars mm-hmm. and slur through the whole thing, and it's a record now. You know what I mean? Like, like we yeah. said with the Versace, 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 Versace. You know what I mean? So that's the mumble rap. I think that really it kicked off from there when they said mumble rappers. I don't, I don't feel it's necessary the way you talk because – it's a slang. You know, now I'm in Atlanta, I can I hear it, I'm like, Oh, that's kinda hot. You know what I mean? When yeah. I first got there I was like, What the hell did he just say? 
I felt kind of old. I felt like my parents when we was right. You know, when the first year, oh, what the hell y'all talking about? I feel the same way now. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I think that, I think I think that you know that's more towards that. I don't think it's necessarily, but the innovativeness of our young people and our people. Period. You're right. Cats is like word mumble rap. Okay, that's a new style now. Now we mumble rappers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then it created a whole mm-hmm. industry of that. You know. Yeah. You know. So yeah. it, 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 it has folk. And one one uh um the boys who actually did uh my white tea, weren't they from Atlanta? Aren't they from Atlanta? Yeah, the franchise boys. Yeah. Yeah, yep. franchise boys. Over Banghead. Yeah. Yep. You know, Atlanta you know, I was happy. <laughs> yeah, I was happy for Atlanta when when reading them when they discovered that Atlanta, and not just come down to make, bring artists down to make ch- cheap music because it was cheap in Atlanta, but when they just started discovering local talent uh, in Atlanta, right, man, right. I was, I'm going to tell you, I was very happy for, I was very happy for Atlanta. I was very happy for, because I, by that time, I had really come to embrace the so, uh, the Southern culture. So I was happy to see it mm-hmm. represented on a, a national and an international scale. I think like everything right. else, though, I'm sorry to see that it it uh like I felt Outkast and Goody Mob were going there, elevating it to mm-hmm. be there with, with with New York as far as putting out hard social content, delivering a culture that was African and Southern. You know what I'm saying? Because Goody Mob, I mean, yo, big shout out man, to Goody Mob, that, Outkast, you know what, and all of them groups that was they was dropping I mean, science. The dungeon. The Dungeon Family, yeah. family the whole Dungeon Family. Like, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. Dungeon Family. Yeah, they really I mean, the they was dropping science with a real Southern flavor. So I said, oh, man, they're right. going to go there. You know, they're going to be that, like, they were that ex-Clan of the South. You know what I'm saying? They were right, that right, right, public right. enemy. They were that with the, without strictly emulating. They were that Wu-Tang. You know what I'm saying? Right. They do their, their own thing. And I think that then what happened, just this, I don't know if materialism hit or whatever, just the whole lean. And then from that, I even give shots out a little bit to uh, Lil John now, but we've seen this crunk culture come in. You know, and then the crunk came mm-hmm. in, tear the club up music, tear the club up, tear the club up, shout out to the club. That came in. And then from that came the whole trap music. And then I, I began to wonder, damn, what happened to Atlanta's socially conscious sound? You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And, and that just, but even the trap music still has some social awareness. We see more of it in T.I. now in his later years. We see more social commentary, more social consciousness and political awareness. But still, I was sad to see Atlanta. I don't think Atlanta really hit a pinnacle. I hit a peak in having those groups come out uh, that could represent mm-hmm. social commentary. Do you think Atlanta's too far gone for that, or do you think they're still hope nah, for that? Nah, nah. With the and you and you shocked being down here with the culture being as it is. It's hope for it, man. It's just that one thing that the South that we really big the South up for is the South, the Midwest, the West Coast. Well, South and Midwest. You guys was like, look, if y'all ain't gonna let us in, fuck it, we just do our own thing. And y'all sold out the back of your trunks. Y'all sold hand-to-hand combat with your CDs. And that's how it blew up. And I think the, where the South fell off is that they, they started acting like they needed, you know, this white man. That's where they fell off. 
because the South had a homegrown element that was like, you remember that first, was that Southern Catalyst, Catalystic Players by Outkast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, yeah. When that first video, we was bugging because the video was shot in somebody's house in the middle of the woods. They, you know, they, they, they just walked up somebody's backyard and just started rapping. So, you know, that before then, New Yorkers, you know, hip-hop had to have elaborate stages and, you know, big old productions. But the South, y'all was just doing it just raw, like right out of your back pocket, basically. And I think that it, that'd have to go there. Because remember, the, the conscious movement in New York didn't start through the industry. It started on the streets. You know what I mean? Groups like the Zulu Nation, the 5% Nation, started having concerts of their own and promoting these artists who were not on the radio. The radio picked them up later on. X-Clan was out before they got a radio deal. You know what I mean? Public Enemy was out an album ahead of us even knowing who they were because they had their own entity. So if we're going to have this now with this style, we just got to be the ones to set it off and start having these shows again, start promoting this kind of music, give it a platform so it can have somewhere to live. That's all because the white man has really pushed it out and made it where there's nowhere for it to breathe. And now everybody's just going where they see the money. You know, I think Atlanta, look at look at what's going on now with, with these uprisings all over the country. I ain't trying to be funny, but it's the South and the Midwest. They tearing shit up. They going crazy. You know what I mean? And the East Coast, the West Coast is kind of catching up to the, to the South and the Midwest when it comes to this fight back against police brutality. It's all out in the, you know, Cleveland, Seattle, Detroit, you know, Atlanta. They tearing it up, man. I think that the vibe right now is, is in the South. We just got to capitalize and catch it and make it happen. And I don't want to dominate. Yeah, when um, you say younger, you know, you think it's uh, the South is too far gone. I think to say that you that you would even consider, we could even consider that it could possibly be too far gone to reclaim a certain kind of um, control or, or narrative and a, a certain type of push from um from the south to to basically infuse this you know infuse our messages the way we would like to mm-hmm. see them come out of the south is to say that no, I don't, you know I don't we think don't have too far gone. I don't it's, think it's too that, far gone. Yeah, that would be like saying we like yeah, we I wouldn't have the power to reinvent ourselves. Because we always right, right. We stay reinventing ourselves and we stay, you know, we're resilient. You know what I'm saying? And every time something else happens, something new is born. Even, I mean, even to the simplest, most ridiculous stuff, you know, like, it'll be something you you don't want to see coming. But here it is, right. you know, we done put a beat to it. We done, you know, some somebody done made Man. a twist out of, out of a, a, a small phrase. And created right. a, a beat to it, and it's the most ridiculous shit in the world. But it's catchy. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody and got time for that. Right? nobody got time for that. No, I, chicken, no, chicken, no, Michaela, no, I don't. I don't feel like I don't feel like that is too far gone. I was asking asking opinions. I actually feel like that the South is going to be the epicenter of, of a lot of things. Uh, you know, it's not just musically. You understand what I'm talking about? I really think the South, I really right. think the, the right. movie is going to be land, you know, to, uh, separate, like you said, just politically, 
eventually lead to a physically a physical separation, but all of that good stuff. So I think South is going to be paramount in our struggle. I think it's going to be a very key part. And the music come out of the South. What I do love about it is because I think Southern music is untamed, untamed. I think Southern music mm. is an expression, is an ancestral expression. It is a, excuse my language again, listening audience, it is a fucking expression. You know, Southern music <laughs> doesn't, like uh, Jack was saying, it'll throw a shawty in there. It'll throw a, you know, it celebrates its remoteness, its southernness, its countryness, its, uh, its so-called unsophistication. You know, I that's one of the things I loved about the I'm country anyway. I'm from originally from Kentucky. You know, I have people mm-hmm. tell me, damn, I ain't even know black people were in Kentucky. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm black relation from the Appalachians. You know, like five, like uh, so, <laughs> so I'm country anyway. So I'm country. But to go to Georgia was more Southern. You know what I'm saying? Or right. let me say it the other way around. I think Kentucky was a little more Southern. You know, Kentucky is Kentucky Derby, mint juleps, that type of thing. I think it was more Southern. But to go to Georgia was more country. You know what I'm you know, saying? Like and so I do Georgia. think it's a, Not yeah, it was, it's country. <laughs> and I think right. it's expressed in the hip hop. You know, but but, but 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 getting back to hip hop, I ask, you know, what stops other states? Like I said, being from Kentucky, who can I think of? We had nappy roots. You know what I'm saying? Come, I don't know if y'all remember and I nappy roots. Them. I remember. Yeah, I love them. yeah, I love Kentucky. It's all my life I've been po. My okay. boy, Nappy Roots. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 us, Kentucky. Watch that video. Go check them out. Y'all know where Yang is from. Uh, so, but what stops these groups from coming out of coming out of these cities? Is it lack of exposure, or is it that we these places don't have the drama of big cities, the crime and the poverty and the, all of that? What stops? Groups really coming out from our cities to be made there. And I like to hear from Makeda. What do you think, Makeda? You know what? Because because I operate in, in you know, talent in another, you know, on another front, um, it's a lot. I think there are a lot of, there's a lot of talent, first of all. I don't care where you go. We, you know, we are the embodiment, the the real live embodiment of creativity and talent, just a, a natural given talent. Um, I happen to believe because of the stuff that I see when dealing with different talent, uh, that there is a toxic kind of, of, mm, it's like a it's like an offshoot of capitalism, which brings about these gatekeepers. You know, you have ones who have made it, and ones who are you know they they feel like they have a you know they have a lock on this thing in such a way that they block others from getting in. So something that I do here actually is that I I work with a friend of mine. And trying to, and and he does a lot of stuff just straight out of pocket. Like, he just want to showcase people for their talent. Um, Because you have so many gatekeepers and cliques and, you know, folks that don't want to allow you the space 
to stand out and shine. Um, so I see a lot of that stuff, and it makes me think that that's probably what happens in a lot of different places. I was uh, I was recently watching something uh, with this sister. Um, hmm. Why can't uh, um, oh my God, Jaguar Wright. Uh, and I'm watching how like she's she's going on this whole rant, you know, with with the silly crew. But uh, she was actually speaking on the same thing down in Dallas, and she was speaking on it from the perspective that she's like, you know, she's got this she's got this um, recording situation going on. She's got this recording studio down there, Philadelphia, and she was calling out Erica Badu about. You know, why are there people in this city, the city that you come from, you know, who have come to you and should have been coming through you for help, but you will not, you know, you won't reach back. You won't, you know, you won't deal. So, again, I say I think in a lot of places you have this same issue of gatekeepers, you know, and people that they want to put on or people that they don't want to shine because they feel like it's going to take something from them. So it's like this rancid, you know, this rank capitalism, this, you know, this causing folks to, like, just stand in the way, really just stand in the way in, in such a way that you can't get seen out here. And then you talk about, you know, once, you, you know, once they find something, once, once people, promoters and whatnot, they find something they like, they go with the opinion of that something they like, you know, they go with the the um, the general, I guess is you know the the general favor of the one that they that they decided to back, and they just kind of you know, okay, well, if they say these these this this group ain't no good or this group is no good for this or they shouldn't represent whatever, you know, this is how it goes. So I look at that here, and I like I like I said, being a poet and being being a singer here and seeing how much talent is in St. Louis, is in the St. Louis area, and how much talent doesn't get promoted, like, you know, of actual bands, of actual, you know, music bands. We have, like, maybe three prominent bands here. Three. Like, (laughs) oh, hella groups that are hot. But we have three prominent bands that get, you know, that that are constantly booked and trying to, you know, they they're always promoted, um, they're always gigging. Hip hop, you know what I'm saying? You'll have pockets of people here and there, and I try my best to promote folks that, you know, I I see something just random, some some random hotness. I'm like, oh my god, this is here. This is St. Louis. This is what St. Louis looks like. You know, and we have to push that. I think, you know, it's on everybody individually. And that's that's one of the good things about, like, all these streaming platforms and independent ways of actually pushing your own music now. If you can get it digitized and get it out there in front of the people, just the people, if your stuff is good, you should be able to, you know, you really should be able to get yourself out the gate, really. I, I feel like that. But it's, you know, 
it's a process also of getting, you know, of knowing how to, um, how to monetize your art and how to, you know, and on what platforms you could best promote your art and who, you know, and if people are really out there, but sometimes you have folks that are bobbing their head to your music and won't think to share it. They won't think to share it. I cannot share it. I, I hear your music. It's like, because you don't get to discover good music every day. I'm sorry. This is just the age we live in, you know, where it's not coming. So when I hear it, I'm like, yo, check this out for real, you know, and I'm excited about it. So, and that's, you know, that's just, that's just how I, I do anything that I, that I like, anything that I think is good. I will, I will definitely promote that. I promote that. So, you know, I don't think everybody is set that way. You know, everybody is not made that way. People can know you have a good product and, you know, love what you do and never say your name. <laughs> never say your name. Just because they don't have the presence of mind to do it, you know, a lot of times. I have to beg people, you know, hey, if you like it, whatever it is that I do, if you like it, say my name. This, you know. Yeah, I, I ain't I ain't asking for a tip. Send me your friend. You know, send your friend over here. And I'm good. That's your tip for me. So the same thing with entertainment. You know, if we see something, if we see something that's exceptional out here, we see something that we don't see every day, them kind of cars don't pass you every day type thing, you know, call it out. Call it out. Put it out, put it out front and center so that people can see it, you know, and hear it and experience it and share it out. You know, that's something that we have the ability to do that did not exist back in the day with hip hop or anything else. You know, it just, you know, what we had, we had, you know, we heard it on the radio and it was a different way of, of even everything being promoted back then. But now it's something that we can control, and and you know I don't know what all of the all of the obstacles are, but I do know that that's one of the things that we you know that we deal with here in this area as gatekeepers. That's I I have to say that <laughs> we are that bad here, but I don't know you know that it might look different for you know different places. I know it it feels different to me. It feels different when I think about, you know, I see people in Atlanta and I see how, you know, everybody, it seems like people are working together. You know what I'm saying? That's what it looks like. Um, I see people in different places and it looks like they have a a general kind of, uh, I don't know, it's like a working, a, a, a very constructive working relationship. You know, but they then too they could be the they could be the gatekeepers. I don't know. You know, what I'm saying so it just depends. I don't. What do you What do you think? What do you think about about all of it? You, uh, you know, well, I, I think, think that's a good. That's go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. It's cool. No, go ahead, brother Shaka. Please. Oh no, I was just saying that um. I think what you're saying, the gatekeeper thing is real. 
you know, it goes back to good old Willie Lynch. You know what I mean? I think one of the biggest problems mm-hmm. with us, though, as a as a people, like why do we continue to to get freedom, replicating the same system of oppression? Like it goes back to that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I like fuck a black. I don't want a black Hollywood. Fuck Hollywood. Period. You know what I mean? Part mm-hmm. of this is, but that's hip hop. Like let's get real hip hop with it, man. Like. I don't give a fuck about the BET Awards or the Source Awards or any of that bullshit, man. That's not hip-hop. Hip-hop is hip-hop. You know what I mean? We do it the way we do it. Our problem is we try mm-hmm. to do it like them because we still idolize that white power structure. You know, I come from hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Like, I come from, like, I used to be a breakdown. I did every element of hip-hop. I used to dance and all that. I remember white business people coming to the South Bronx Looking at us on the street dancing, asking if we want to be in a movie, if you want to be in a commercial, you want. They was coming to us. Now we're mm-hmm. starting to look to them for exception. You know what I mean? Hell, we got enough venues of right. our own, man. We don't. We don't need them to do nothing. Well, you know, get hip hop with it. Like hip hop has a, hip hop has a certain arrogance, and I'll say it just like that. To be a to be a successful hip hop artist, you got to be arrogant. You got to be stand up. You know, you want to be the best graffiti artist, the best DJ. You can't come in here talking about, I think I'm the best. You got to come in here, my shit is fly. Nobody's better than me. I'm about to crush all y'all because I'm this. But, yeah, we got a white boy talking about he the god of hip-hop, and we running around scared to say we God, period. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, stand up. Exactly. Like, that's our problem. You know, it's like, yes, gatekeepers are the problem, but the bigger problem is what gate you trying to keep. Exactly. For real. Like, you're not blocking, I agree with that. You're not blocking us. Out of shit that we created, you trying to stop me from getting something that somebody giving you. Like, come on, mm-hmm. really? you know what I mean? We gotta change mm-hmm. it, man. We gotta right. really like, and, and that's the difference between, you know. And I skipped over this, and this is a big my mistake, and my own criticism myself. We got into this conversation. Let's not confuse hip hop and rap, okay? Hip hop, mm-hmm. the culture. Hip hop is the resistance. The re- I don't even like saying hip hop is a culture. That's too that's too soft and. Cat- <laughs> I'm not mad at the 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 MCs who said it. You know what I mean? I understand y'all live inside the industry. You got to do what you got to do. I'm not inside the industry. So hip-hop is not my culture. Africanism is my culture. Hip-hop is a resistance created from a people who were denied our African culture. So we took this gumbo over here and we flavored it up and made it real fly. We call it hip-hop, you know? Rap is reactionary African propaganda. That's some shit some old white man in an office created. You know, some old white man in an office got together and was like, we're going to call it rap, Bill. It sells better. You know what I mean? You know, like, we see a car. It's a car. You got a fly whip. You know what I mean? Like my man Damon Marley said, you know, think about it. We saying, yo, you got a fly whip. But back in the days, whips used to beat us. Now we saying you got a fly whip. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what we do. That's hip-hop. You know what I mean? And we got to get mm-hmm. back to that. You know, I ain't trying to diss Erica Badu. I love her music. But why do I need Erica Badu to put me on? Like, what is, what is, why do I need them to put, put yourself mm-hmm. on? You know what I mean? Like, we got to mm-hmm. really get into that. But that's that white man mentality. I got to report to Yanga, and then only Yanga can give me the key to get in because I got to go through Yanga. And why am I going through Yanga? Because the white man said Yanga is the one I got to go through. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I ain't yeah, mean to we... go off on a tangent like that. But it's real, man. Like we gotta get some of that aggression in it. That we—that's what makes our shit beautiful. Like when your man three thousand was like, "Look, the South got something to say." He shut it down, mm-hmm. straight up. Mm-hmm. That phrase right there put the South on the map. He was like, "Look, the, the South mm-hmm. got something to say." 
we couldn't even deny it because we was like, oh shit, they they ain't no joke. Oh, when when NWA was like, fuck the police. Whoa, we never mm-hmm. heard that before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hip hop is known for being outstanding. You know, we're known for breaking the norm. We're known for doing it a different way. You know, they say put your shoestrings on. We took the shoestrings out the shoes altogether. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're known for creating a new way. And I think we need to get that revolutionary maroon spirit back. Like the maroons, those were Africans who were set aside, cast out, considered outlaws, and they developed their own culture. We got to get that maroon mm-hmm. spirit back to hip-hop. And I'm going to leave it at that. Absolutely. I like that. I, I want to throw my two cents in there on, because I love that, the, the gatekeepers. And I agree wholeheartedly. We've, we've given the key over to them. We've allowed them to be the gatekeepers. One of the things you pointed out, Shock, is they used to come to us, hey, you want to be in our movie, you want to be in our commercial. That's because hip, at that particular time, our expression, that, that hip-hop, that dancing, all that, was uh, unique. It was mystical. Right. Everyone didn't do it. When it became commercial, when it became when everyone could do it and it just became a commodity, then, like you said, we had to begin to sell it. They didn't want to buy it. We had to sell it. You know, I can do this. I can right. do that. One of the one of the things I like to think is because we did allow it to just drop down to the mundane. If we'd have held it as an art form like the uh, like karate or jujitsu or something, you don't just come in and be a black belt. You know, you can't watch kung fu theater Saturday morning and jump up like we used to do. And <laughs> now we get to Shaolin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and we turned hip hop over like that. I remember there used to be sacred rites and rituals, and one of them was the cipher. If you couldn't right, hold right. your own, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I love social media. I love that now everybody has the opportunity to, you know, get out there and put their shit out there. But stop it. We need to go back to like the karate people do. Where's our grandmasters? Where's our black belts? In hip hop, if you ain't certified, if you ain't went through the mass, like you said, the African Bambadas and the Cool Hurts and the that type of lineage, you know what I'm saying? Who's your master? What temple you belong to, son? Call out some lineage. Don't just pop up <laughs> and then, like you said, now we got a white boy hollering. He's the god of hip hop. You see how it just disrespectful it becomes. But that's what I say. We we when we stop holding it sacred, when anybody could do it. You know, for you artists out there, hip-hop artists, and even used to you cats calling yourself rapping. I love that. Reactionary African propaganda. Damn, that's heavy. Uh, for you cats that's calling yourself rapping, stop it. Stop just putting it on. If we need to have a checks and balance. You know what I'm saying? We need checks that's and balance. Error. Because, uh, I said standard bearers. Yes. A standard bearer, because because somebody's repeating their stuff don't make it bump it. If you play something over the radio over and over again, it just simply gets stuck in the head, you know. So elevating it back to a, a an art form, something that only a few can practice. Like I said, it's like watching the – I watched one time on a video. I don't know if y'all have ever seen the Tibetan monks do in their one of their rituals they do when they go in their deep spiritual thing is they make a mosaic out of sand like mm-hmm. out of sand it's one of the most right, wonderful right. brilliant beautiful things like they sit there and tap the different color sand until they make this huge mosaic and it takes I, like weeks or some months and it's all a part mm-hmm. of their ritual 
and they do all of that, and at the end of it, guess what they do it for? Just to brush it all, and they brush it all in the center. In this multicolored oh. sand, and it's to remind him how fragile the world is. But I say all of that to say everybody can't do that. Everybody right, may right, enjoy right. it, come look at the mosaic, but everyone can't do that. So we have to elevate our, our, our thing back up to an art form, you know, and not just mere right, entertainment, right. but really that is an art form practiced by a particular special people. And if you and want to practice that. that art form, like, you know, you got right. white people that practice Native and African and, you know, people that practice. If you want to practice practice that art form, it's just like anything else you get into it. There's rules and regulations and ways you have to do it. I don't care what color you, you gotta are. You got to come to the school. You, know? you got to come to the school and be accepted like the, like the old child. Right. When they had to sit outside for weeks and weeks until they say you can come in. You know what I mean? It's got to be that way, you know, because it's, yeah. it's really sad now, man. I think one of the things, too, we got to stop looking at, and this is to all the upcoming artists and all the people out there, singers, everybody. Stop looking at hip-hop culture just as your ticket out of the ghetto. That's why you sell yeah, it so much because you, 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 don't, you just look at it as a way to get out of poverty. So you, you use it just for that purpose, and then you throw it away when you're gone. Hip-hop is not just to get out of the ghetto. You know what I mean? That, let's stop that, that mentality. It's an art form, man. It's an expression. It's not, and it ain't really to get out of the ghetto. In some ways, it's to express our love for those roots, our love for that that deep country down south, what they consider poor, I consider rich. You know what I mean? It's it's the love of that, and that's something that the the south. I got to big up the south, brought that to us, man. When they was you know bigging up that whole, like you said, I, I grew up in Kentucky, I'm poor, or outcasting was bigging up, going to. The the Goody Mob had a song where they was getting up in the morning and they would go to the thrift shop to get their clothes. You know what I mean? They made it appreciative, like this is what makes us. And I think we got to get back to that, man. One of the reasons the South is going so hard now is because I don't care if you're from New York. Your mama and papa is from the South. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's understand that, man. If you're from New York, you probably, if you're from Harlem or the Bronx, you're probably from South Carolina. If you're from Brooklyn, you're probably from Mississippi somewhere. You know what I mean? You're from Queens, you're probably from Mississippi or North Carolina. All our roots are there, man, and we got to get back to our roots. And I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. You know, but the South disappointed me, and I'm not going to be brief because we're coming in our last. Where I, and, I, and I'm going to say disappointed a little bit because that Southern flavor, I feel like, mm-hmm. Not, I'm not going to say Southern play, but that Southern expression of culture isn't there anymore. You know what I'm saying? I mean, no. you can't tell any Southern rapper from a Northern rapper, from a Western rapper. What they have they've done away with their cultural expression. All of them are just material, what they got, what they driving, what they smoking, what they sipping on. What kind of woman they mm-hmm. sleeping with, or what? You know, there's no. Well, you you know, can that, throw somebody. If the only way you would be able to tell is by accent. You know right. what I'm saying? But then I can't. I can hardly tell. All of them sound the same. I'd be like, "Who is that?" Future. They'd be like, "No, that's Yo Gotti." I'd be like, "Who is that?" Yo Gotti. They'd be like, "No, that's Gucci Mane." I'd be like, "Who is that?" <laughs> you know. So you can't <laughs> you know, that's, even. That's strategically done, though. I, do you yeah. think they strategically did that, or is that just commercial? Because yeah. that's what sells. You know what I'm saying? Really? Nah, they were like, you know, let's they, go, let's fool the industry, let's all, you know, let's break down the borders, let's get rid of Willie Lynch, or did they? Was they like shit? Sipping lean and taking promethazine sales. 
You know what I'm saying? So yeah. let's let's rap about oh, that. It's it's you know something that Chuck D said one time. Chuck D said, uh, mm-hmm. "What do you call the person who's behind the selection of records? What do you call them?" Uh, and somebody's like a DJ. He's like, "No, the programmer." Mm. They call the radio programmer. You know when you go mm. people that don't know if you know I had a I had a a brief stint with the industry and I got to see behind the scenes. Like these people who select the artists, who fashion the artists, they have degrees in psychology and sociology. You know, they, they it's not just some random dude that's oh like hey Yang is a great guy let's put him on. You know they run tests on your music. They see the result of what kind of music does what. These are people who understand neurotics. I mean, neurons and electrons and protons. They understand vibration and the scientific aspect of music, which is like a whole nother show for a whole nother day. But trust and believe, when you market something, it's not just, hey, I heard this sells over there, so let's sell three more over there. They got people that test this stuff and examine the outcome in a whole nine yards. So it's a big thing behind why, why the South is the way it is. It's, it's no mistake, like right now, Everybody's flushed, flooding into Atlanta because it's a lot of opportunity in Atlanta in the Georgia area. All of a sudden, now look at the news. I, nobody really talked about Atlanta 20 years ago. Now it's the crime capital of the world. It's the this. It's the that. You know what I mean? There are whole shows like I never even been to St. Louis. You know what I mean? Except for once. But you know how I know St. Louis? What's that show? Uh, where everybody be snitching? What's that show? First 48. <laughs> They 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 damn near stayed in St. Louis. Really? Makes the world think yeah. that yeah, you look all their shows, every show is St. Louis, St. Louis, St. Louis, St. Louis. So you know, you know what's funny? we started thinking we started thinking that's the murder capital of the world. God damn, they're killing everybody down there. And everybody you know they ain't funny, got no when, all that. Whenever I saw that show, I always saw that show in like it was either in Kentucky yep. or Nashville. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, Louisville. It was one of those things, and I'm wondering. I really do wonder after you said that, like that, because you know, I I maybe you know I don't watch a lot of TV, period. But it's been on for so long till you know it it was on during a time when I would watch more television. Um, but. I wonder if that's just not a part of what they do, you know, to make, because that's one of the things that they say about St. Louis. If St. Louis is the murder, you know, the murder capital. Matter of fact, not the murder capital. It's, they say East St. Louis. Now, East St. Louis is, is across the river from St. Louis. A little bitty, when I say it's a dot, if you roll past it, you'll miss it. I kid you not. How it got to be the murder capital of the Midwest of the U.S. I'll per never capital. understand. But it's, there was it's per uh, capita. Okay, they're doing it per so capita. Yeah, they're doing it by the population. Like if it's a, you know, it's per capita. Like if you got ten people, and you know, eight of them damn get killed a year. Or eight of them get killed out of ten. You know, every year, ten, eight people getting killed out of your ten people population every time you repopulate it. They're like, damn, for it to be that small, it shouldn't be that many murders. As opposed to another, you know what I'm saying? So they do it on statistic-wise. Not just the numbers, but 
how many people live in that city as opposed to the murders and the minorities. You know, how many black people are black on black crime. So that's how Louisville at one time was the murder capital of the United States. I was at the same thing. How is Little Kentucky? But, and that's when they broke it down. It was like, yeah, they're looking at how small it is. That basically they're saying, you're too small to be killing. That many people shouldn't be dying in this little country town. And you, you know, know what? And, and, and I just. I, and I, yeah. I would say that, yes, that's, that it's true, but what it makes it look like is that you gonna, I mean, you you gonna pass through there and get killed. And I, I have to say this: I come from East St. Louis, I'm, I'm, and I know we all are talking real now, but I come from East St. Louis, and I have stayed in St. Louis most, you know, most of my adult life. And when I come across that river, that's when my shoulders get loose. That's when I stroll because I'm at home, mm-hmm. and home ain't mm-hmm. never moved like. That. Home ain't never moved like that. But they, you know, this is, the, this is the narrative that you enter about this. And East St. Louis is 97.5% black. Like, yep. you you know, if there's white people living in East St. Louis, they, you know what I'm saying? They don't come outside any St. Louis. They just don't. <laughs> uh, they like roaches, for real. They 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 not seen in St. Louis. But they they brought out a movie called Give Us This Day a few years back, uh, a couple of years back, 2018. And it was a, you, you can tell the narrative was from a, a state perspective. Um, and it was one of those things that made me go, man, are you kidding me? Are you, this is my home you're talking about. And that's not real. Mm-hmm. So when, when Shaka said what he said about the first four years, I'm like, damn. Really? And I wonder if they just don't do this everywhere we are anyway, you know, and, and show it out in such a way that, you know, everybody around us just kind of sees whatever the narrative happens to be for wherever you are. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm in Missouri, yeah. I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing my neighborhood. If I'm in St. Louis, I'm not seeing my neighborhood on First 48. I'm seeing Kentucky. I'm seeing Memphis. I'm seeing Nashville. You know what I'm saying? Uh, these are yeah. the places that I see. But if you in some place, if you're someplace else, you see that. You know. I, you know, I've seen, like you said, I've seen St. Louis, I've seen Louisville, I've seen those places on First Forty Eight. I've, like you said, I've seen Kentucky stay on there. I damn know the detectives. I've seen it so much. Not in personally. I just seen them on television. Like damn. But I'll say this. I think what, yeah, you know. I think what happens, though, is we're always looking at the symptoms and not the causes. If Louisville is, if St. Louis is, you know, the murder capital at that time, if the crime rate is high in those particular areas, we, you know, and that's just part of the criminalization process. But what is causing that? You know what I'm saying? What is causing that? Are we looking at poor uh, living conditions, inferior, you know, just poor education systems and really – what basically boils down mm-hmm. to our dependency on the state or our dependency on the suppressor. Mm-hmm. But we're not looking at what causes these things. And then further is just what this devil does is he comes in and he finds a way to exploit it and get money off of it. You know what I'm saying? You come mm-hmm. in and actually, I mean, you know, this whole thing is since someone's died, someone's killed, you know, this young man or young woman's life, it's hanging in the balance. The life right. has been lost, and there it is everybody, for everybody's entertainment. Exploitation at its finest. And we love it. 
we become a nation of uh, voyeurs. You know, and I'm not going to get off the subject. That may be another topic where we'll see someone getting beat down and pull our phone out, pull our phones out and videotape. So we become a So we love this first 48, this gross uh, drama, this, just this gross drama that we're constantly caught up in. And and it does go to the topic because this is where they've allowed, or we've allowed our hip-hop to take us. You know, we've allowed that a very sacred a cultural expression. An expression, I like what Shaka said, it is not our culture. It's just an aspect of expression. You know, it's it's one of the many ways that we express just our triumphs and tragedies. Um, we've allowed them to take that and, and, and use it for exploitation. So I'm going to say this in my closing, you know, we, I honestly believe, I, this may just be a dreamer speaking, I really wish it was some way we could start to regain control of the whole hip-hop, and not in no kingdom fashion. I've heard chaos when I've heard these people talking, and, you know, some people, chaos once said some things that I disagree with, you know, about hip-hop and where he sees himself in it. But at least it's a discussion. I would like to see us begin to take that aspect of, of of our culture expression and begin to own it. Like other people do aspects of their culture expression. When the Hispanics have something, siesta day, I, brrr, day, no disrespect. I know, listen, I know as far as I drive my key, my key, and a lot of you human is crazy. I do give them a little racist rants on. <laughs> but when these people, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I internationalists on here. We are all brothers and sisters, Yanga. I know I drive y'all crazy at times with my staunch nationalism. Did he just call me a humanist? Hell no. Not a humanist. Not a humanist to the point where you make it equal with white folks, this and that. But I just will say I know I'm a little more. My rhetoric is a little more radical mm. than than some sometimes. Mm. Um, but I said all of that to yeah, say little, yeah, I really wish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a a lot more Archie Bunker. Uh, But I really wish we could own that aspect of our culture, force it to be respected, and and just, you know, then we could go from it and benefit from it. So with that, I'm going to end with that, turn the mic over to my co-host, and I'm going to say wakusu to the listening audience, and uh, peace. All right. I think, man, we, it was a great show. Uh, one of the things I want to, my closing statement is just, you know, we still got, you, we still got like talking. 15 minutes, but yeah. Oh, we still, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm just going to wrap it up now because yeah. I'm going to leave a lot to the caller, man. Just like, my thing is just recapture our culture, man. You know, recapture who we are and, and take it back. Like, let's, let's stop asking why and how come they don't do it. Let's just take it back, man. You know what I mean? Bottom line. Yeah. Get, get hip-hop with it, man. Take it back. And, you know, and again, big ups to my brother, my brother King, Lord Yoda X, man. You know, uh, may he rest in peace. And we're going to, you know, we're here to do it. Let's keep it moving. All right? Well, cool, sir. I'm on you, that one. You give the speaking of, I said I was going to end it, but you know me. Speaking of that, hip, you know what? And, and speaking of King Yoda, man, how hip-hop inspired movements. Our movements inspired hip-hop one another. I'm thinking of the Zulu Nation. But also X-Clan. I don't know if, if, if any of you listeners out there know that X-Clan was part of a movement 
called Black yeah, Watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What yeah. people don't know too is so, that you know, the leader of S Clan is the son of Sonny Carson. Sonny Abubadika Carson. Running down, Shaka. Professor X. Yeah, Professor X, the brother, you know, Van Glorious, his father, and a lot of you should look it up, was a very, very influential revolutionary out of Brooklyn named Sonny Bubadika Carson. And there is a movie called The Education of Sonny Carson, which inspired mm. Lauren Hill's title, The Education of Lauren Hill. Check that out, man. Like, again, how hip-hop infuses into the lifestyle. And that's, you know I mean, what, that's, that's what I was talking about, the whole presence of of that that political presence being there and how that how that passed down and how it trickled down and then it shows up in the music and all of a sudden, you know, somebody who ain't been, I, I hadn't been versed, I had not been prepared, I had been, you know, part of this kind of uh, uh, petty boo kind of upbringing that would never have never have bound itself to the ideals that were uh, established uh, inside of Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, we hear you. Yes. Yeah, you know, so it it would have never, you know, in my, where I come from, didn't really reflect what it was that was going on inside of me and what I was connecting to. And that's why I say that, you know, that music, the music that I was listening to was very instrumental. The hip-hop was very instrumental in forming who I have become and who I see myself constantly evolving into because, you know, even though the music is gone, I remember it. You know, I remember it, and I I have this thing where I, I – you know, we we romanticize uh, about where we were and what we were thinking and how we were thinking. We 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 think about these things in such a way like nostalgia for us. And it's you know, when did you first fall in love with you know hip hop? When did you first fall in love with um, the idea that your people are different? They're special. And they are, they're very capable, they're gifted, talented, you know, like all of these things came from uh, having this expression available to me. Hip-hop has, I think, not only influenced my life, it saved my life in a lot of ways as well. It saved me from a lot of things. It saved me from a lot of different, you know, uh, diverse thinking that tears us away from our people. And it does more to connect the people, you know. So I can say that definitely, man, hip-hop has been that. And the, the politics being infused into it has been a huge help. Um, the, 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 cultural, the cultural aspect of it has been a huge help in helping me identify and understand what's really going on in the world as well. So... Um, I would say to anybody that's, that's in the, in this culture of hip-hop, keep creating, keep pushing the envelope, like really push the envelope and deepen your own understanding so that you deepen the understanding of the people that's around you because it's having an impact. It has an, It has its impact. 
it definitely speaks to the people. And that's that's what I would say about that. No question, no question. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you know, one of the things, the lack of it for me again, going back into it, is the having the whole interconnectedness of it. I'm always talking about hip-hop being a expression of our culture or aspect or cultural expression um, because that's what I believe music is. When you look back, when we look at the 60s and the 70s, the movement, the movement had a soundtrack. You know what I'm saying? It was a black and I'm proud. So not just slogans of black and beautiful, the dress of the dashiki, but they had a soundtrack. If, you know, we have to really address this thing of culture uh, and not so, you know, when I say culture, I'm, 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 I'm careful to say culture, not to the, cause I'm not a staunch, staunch Afrocentric brother, but definitely recognize that we're African recognize that we're attached to the continent and what affects our mother affects us directly and indirectly, but embracing this new African experience that we're going through. And by embracing that experience, when we begin to act as a people who want self-determination, I think our music will reflect that like it did in the sixties and seventies. We begin to want resistance, not just in our, you know, actions, but shit in our spirit and in our soul and everything we did. So it just reflected that. And our expressions couldn't help, but the sounds we make couldn't help but to be sounds of resistance and rebellion and a yearning and a desire for freedom because that's what was in us and that's what we were getting toward. This whole thing of capitalism and materialism, by that being the prevailing dominant culture, I think that our sounds will continue to express that. In some kind of way, we have to address that, shine the light on it, and begin to offer a counterculture, begin to offer our young people to begin to redefine what success is and what have, um, be, um, calling ourselves have made it actually is. Because our whole drive for that, for their success and for what they call um, being prosperous or whatever, has us doing the illest shit and making the illest sounds. And we hear it in our music. And not just hip-hop, this shit masquerading as R&B and love music. It's gross. Man, I wouldn't, if I was a young sister, listen, young sisters, I'm going to go over the phone. <laughs> this stuff, you know, making fuck faces, I'm going to tear the hair, boys, everybody going to know your name and know my name and, you know what I'm saying? Fucking in the back seat looking at the stars. Man, y'all to slap these Negroes in the face. If y'all letting these brothers come to y'all like that, man, we need to go all the way back to the drawing board. And brothers, if sisters is hollering about all she can give you is some wet-ass, sloppy-ass pussy, she ain't going to cook clean, she ain't going to love on you, she's going to put mop you with sex, bruh, 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 we need to go back to the drawing board because you are way better than that, black man. So I think just this whole... Cultural decay has just led to the sounds that we're making, and and I'm gonna back up this time. I'm really gonna try to back up from the mic. But what do you guys say about that? I, I think I think that's why that's why I go back to earlier, man. When I was talking about the whole first forty eight, not that you know there are, there are systematic reasons for the crime and the poverty, but we have allowed the white man to make a soundtrack to support that. Like you just said, that we, there's no. We have to get a soundtrack to support something else. I want to also say to the artists, 
I don't want these young artists to think that you're not talented. You are. You're very talented. I think this is a very talented generation, you know, on all levels. I mean, I love what I see. But you guys and us, we're going to have to get together, man. And like you said, we're going to have to up the ante. You know, we're going to have to be more to what we have, create our own platform, create our own soundtrack, man, because a lot of what we see is what they see. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, I, you know, I'm a student of, of Dr. Khaled Abdul-Muhammad, so I'm, I'm, I'm always keeping a white man on the road. I don't care. Nobody say it. Whatever. I slip on the banana pills, the white man fall. You know what I mean? Everything we're going through, we're going through because of their engineering. And, yes, it is a deliberate. Yes, they're making money off our culture, but don't think for one minute that they don't understand we are at war. And just like we had war chants and war drums and war dances, we had festive dances, we had celebratory dances for birth, for harvest, for everything. There was a music, a vibration, and a soundtrack for every part of our life. Don't think that this enemy has not learned that about you, and he understands that when you hear that deep 808 bass, and that shit is like boom, that resonates with your vibration, man. It resonates with your spirit. He knows that. He knows how to put them beats together now. He's a scientist in the lab just like we are. So I'm just going to end it on that. Don't think that this is an accident or that you're the blame for it, black man and woman. You're not the blame for it. You're partaking in it, but we're not the blame for it. But we got to be the solution for it. And I'm going to leave it at that. Hello? Yeah, we're here. I was Makeda, what did you want to? Yeah. We got five minutes. Makeda, did you want to say something in the, um, five minutes? No. She there? Okay, do we have okay. a caller? Well, Does she get back? Let me see. She, yeah, she's, she's still on. She may, she may not be coming through. But, yeah, no, I... I agree with you. Let you know we have, like you said, we have to do be very hip hop and just take it back. Right, right. That's just the bottom line. Just be very hip hop about it and just take it back. You know. Exactly. Well, listen, they I give you the last give couple minutes because I've, I've talked to this show. I've enjoyed the show. So in the last, like in the last three minutes, is something you want to say ended with? Man, I just want to thank the listeners, man, for real. Like, you know, this show is a good show. It's a great show. And I love being on it. But without you listeners out there, we wouldn't even be here. So continue to support us. Continue to spread this message. Continue to turn out. You could be anywhere else on Tuesday nights. We are humbled and appreciative that you are rocking with us, me, myself, Yanga, Sister Makeda. We love you all. You know what I mean? With Kusu. And let's keep talking about it. That's it. Hey, man. That's it. Well, we appreciate everybody for chiming in. Catch you guys next Tuesday, 8 o'clock. With that, man, we leave you with the Wakusu. Wake up, clean up, king up, queen up, and stand up. That's right. Oh, let's keep it moving.
yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body, this hood politics is knowledgeable, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee I duck, could it be my time is up, with my luck I got up, the cops shot again, bus stop glass burst, a fiend drops his Heineken, ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in, blacking out, I shoot back, fuck getting hit, this is my hood, I'm a rat, to the death of it, to everybody, come on, little niggas is grown, hood rats, don't abortion your wound, we need more warriors soon, sent from the stars, sun and the moon, and it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers, sick of kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors, if you really think you ready to Nothing to spare, niggas roll up, shooting from wheelchairs My heart is racing, tasting revenge in the air I let this shit slide for too many years Too many times now, I'm strapped with a couple of Macs Too many nines, if y'all niggas really with me Get busy, load up the semis Do more than just hold it, explode the clip until you empty There's nothing in our way, they bust, we bust They rush, we bust, let's fly and feel it I feel it in my gut that we take these bitches to war Lie them down, cause we stronger now, my nigga, the time is now I need this one, 